Hi there, we really hope you enjoy this teaching from the Message Trust. To find out more about all the exciting things we're doing, check out our website, message.org.uk. Thank you so much for coming. Just turn to the person next to you, look them deep into their eyes and say, you are so lucky to be sat next to me today. Okay, brilliant. So, we've had a bit of salt and pepper. Um, I'm modelling Spice Girls tracksuit to become one because it's the subject matter. You like that one? Yeah, okay. <laughs> and uh, we're going to be talking about sex. How do we talk about sex? Let's talk about sex. Is it important that we talk about sex, yes or no? Of course it is. And some of the stuff that we're talking about is common knowledge. It's stuff that you've probably thought about. But I just want to revisit it with you. Uh, please understand that my perspective on this subject matter is from a mum. I'm a mum of three. But also going into schools, teaching high school students on this matter. So it's more of a preventative. We're trying to get kids to understand their value and make good choices in life. That's where we're coming from. So let's see what our young people deal with today and us as adults. On average, teenagers view 143 incidents of sexual behaviour on network television at prime time each week. We're bombarded, aren't we? Uh, Music videos. 60% portray sexual feelings and impulses. We're not talking about love, we're talking about lust. Net mums, beautiful net mums, 82% of parents surveyed said that children had repeated sexual lyrics without even knowing their meaning. You see, we've got music out there that's ambiguous and the kids are singing it and it might be a metaphor about a shower, which my daughter has sung before. (laughs) And I'm like, I'm just going to choose not to explain that one. Um, But they're caught at such a young age, aren't they? You see, we live in an over-sexualized world, would you agree? Sex sells, we know that phrase. You wanna sell hot dog, tomato ketchup, a car tire, you get a girl in a bikini with a hose pipe, it sells. Occasionally they give one for the ladies. We get a Diet Coke advert with a man with his top off or maybe Lynx and he's running across the beach with 300 naked women going after him. But sex sells, so it's everywhere. The media is full of it and advertising is one of the biggest. So what is sexualization? Because if we're bombarded with this, it changes the way we view people, doesn't it? And so sexualization is when a person's value comes from their sexual appeal or behavior to the exclusion of other characteristics. We are more than a sexual object, would you agree? Our children are beautiful. They're meant to be innocent. They're meant to have fun without being bombarded with all that they're bombarded with. When a person is sexually objectified, they are seen for someone else's selfish use rather than being selfless and admiring them for their characteristics and the person that they are and can be. Now, I like music. That's why we had a bit of salt and pepper at the beginning. Does anyone like music here? And uh, I don't know if you've ever heard that it said 90% of songs are all about love. Now, back in my day, I'm going to give away how old I am now. It was all about Luther Vandross, Alexander O'Neill. Do we have any fans? Come on, just lie. Just to, yeah. <laughs> I loved it. It was all about romance. It was about chivalry. Where is chivalry these days? It's all about taking someone's coat, pulling out a chair, romantic meals and candlelit dinners and all that sort of stuff, red roses. Do songs portray that today? Not quite the same as maybe they did before. 
And uh, we've done a bit of research in our lessons. And if you look at the Billboard Hot 100 chart since 1960, you'll see in the top chart in the 90s, the word love peaked. It was all about love. No wonder the songs were about love. But since then, it has declined. But if you see the bottom graph when it talks about sexual content, suddenly that is peaking massively. Sexual references in song lyrics are increasing. Listeners of today are exposed to more explicit discussions of sex than ever before. And if you look at the average teenager, they're there with their phone, their iPad, earphones in they're listening to music and so they should do they should have fun music is great but they're being bombarded with a message that's not necessarily helpful for their growth i want to go down memory lane check out this song the lyrics will be on the screen interesting isn't it sex in the air i like the smell of it kind of makes you feel a bit sick doesn't it <laughs> it's a bit nasty and we play this song uh, in our sexting lesson in schools and it's quite interesting because we've got loads of rihanna fans they're like yeah and they're dancing they're singing and then it comes to that line and some people are completely oblivious to it because they've been desensitized to what they're singing about and think that there's nothing wrong with it which to me is alarm bell straight away or they're shocked because they've never realised what they're singing about because suddenly they've got the lyrics on the screen and then Adam loves it. He always finds the kid that like in the back of their throat <laughs> and they don't quite know what to do, what's in their mouth afterwards. But it's disgusting, isn't it? I don't know how you feel about that. As a mum of three, I've got a six-year-old, 14-year-old, 17-year-old. I'm like, I don't want them listening to this sort of stuff. And I'm quite passionate about it. And yet music videos are not rated. Movies are, even though they get the ratings wrong with those most of the time, music videos aren't. And yet what we're having is basically pornography sold to our kids. And we're now entering into a world that actually love is kind of disappearing and we're living in a world where lust and lustful thoughts are being forced upon us. And it's becoming the norm. So no one knows the difference anymore. You see, lust is often confused with love, but it's purely a physical attraction which has no lasting effect. So there's no relationship necessarily there. It's just feed my lust. It's about a selfish desire where it should be about love where you're selfless. And then you're in that relation. You're like, I care for you. I want to show you how much I love you. What can I do for you rather than take, take, take? I don't know if you've seen uh, this music video before. Do you know the song? I'm feeling sexual. 
It's one of those songs my husband absolutely hates it because as soon as you hear one line, it's in your head for the rest of the day. And uh, we were just doing a bit of research and we came across this music video and we think, oh, it's a cartoon, that's fine. To be honest with you, this is probably the worst music video I have ever seen. I know you're probably all going to go home and have a look at it, but I would advise you not to because it is, it's, it's horrible, it's crude. Yet this is like one of the top songs that everybody's singing and of course all our young people are going to want to watch a music video that goes along with it. And then suddenly you're opening up their eyes not just to lust but different relationships in all sorts of different ways. The big thing, uh, the big difference between love and lust is the problem is we don't know the difference anymore. And we do actually do a lesson on consent and we look at the whole subject of love and lust. And the kids by the end of it are like, whoa, I didn't realise that. And hopefully they can make some really good choices. Who's got social media in the house? We've all got it, haven't we? Uh, we did an online safety lesson uh, earlier this week and we only work in high schools, but this particular high school, there was loads of gaps in the day and I said, look, just give us some kids to work with. I don't want to be drinking tea in the staff room. They said, would you, would you work with the year sixes? I'm like, oh, it's only a year younger. Go on, give us them. We do online safety. And then the day before, they're like, can you have the year fours and fives? I'm like, really? How are we going to take all the sort of like hard-hitting, juicy stuff out of the lesson? Anyway, we did it. And we played this game and we just said, so who's got uh, Twitter? Who's got Facebook? Who's got Instagram? Who's got Snapchat? And all the year fours put their hands up. It blew me away. You're meant to be 13. This is a private school <laughs> in a very posh area. What hope do we have if our young people are all over social media where they're being bombarded with every kind of lustful desire and accessing things that are above their age, adult consent? Because they all lie about their age, so suddenly everything streams in. And when we work with the older kids, we're like, right, straight away, you're doing something illegal because you're under 13, or if you are over 13, you need to change your date of birth. So if you've got any kids here and they've got on social media, say Facebook or something, Instagram when they were 10 and now for 15, online it's 18. So just get them to change their date of birth straight away. So if we are going to talk about sex, it's really important that we, learn, we talk about love and value. You know, with our Respect Me lessons, we'd look at all different types of subjects like pornography, consent, sexting, relationships and sex, everything's on the banner here. However, that's not why we go into school. We don't see ourselves as life coaches. We don't see ourselves as hitting a target. We just want to bring it back to self-esteem every single time. We want to bring it back to value. Because I truly believe if our young people can learn to value themselves, then hopefully they'll make some really good choices in life. You see, we did a bit of research. We talked around, we read some books, and we uh, found out from psychologists that if we want to live a balanced lifestyle, there are three things that we need. It doesn't matter what age, what sex, what profession you are. We all need to know we're loved. We all need to know we're accepted. And we all need to know that we're valued. And it breaks my heart that so many people don't actually believe this. Christians don't actually believe this. Uh, when we ask in school, put your hands up if you like yourself. It's amazing the silence that's there. One child in 30, pretty much in every class, will put their hand up. That's it. We have got to be telling our young people their worth and their value so that they're not shortchanging themselves, giving people discounts in their relationships. But we need to believe it as adults as well. 
the amount of times I've done the same talk in front of a bunch of old age pensioners or adults in their 40s and 50s. I say, put up your hand if you like yourself. And like, no one's putting up their hand. I'm like, hello, you're a Christian, aren't you? That doesn't make sense to me. Follow me as I follow Christ. And I need to be full of hope and self-esteem, knowing that I'm loved by God. Set me free to go crazy. And yet I understand it's a work in progress for each and every one of us. We've all got stories that taint the way we view ourselves. There's hurts and pains along the way. And what we try and do with Respect Me is open up that Pandora's box, take all that stuff from the darkness and bring it out and shine Jesus' light on it and say, do you know what, this is hard stuff. These are real serious subjects to talk about, but let's do it. But let's do it from a Christian perspective. It's funny, me and Lydia are talking to an RE advisory over in Lincolnshire and she's been sending us all these emails on uh, what's your stance on LGBT and we've worked all that through and now suddenly it's like, okay, I get that now, but why do you have to do it from a Christian perspective? I'm like, oh, we're a Christian charity and we're Christians and we believe it works. And it's like people just don't get it. But actually I can only stand here secure knowing who I am through God's eyes. Okay, I need a volunteer. Who wants to read this out for me? Anybody? Look at all the volunteers. Come on down here, because you've got to do it in my microphone. Give a round of applause. Woo, you can't walk, you've got to run. Pretend you're in the classroom. Come on, girlfriend. You can do it. What's your name? Shout it out. Olivia. Give Olivia another round of applause. Yay. Okay, have I embarrassed you? No, oh, good, go for it. <clears throat> love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonour others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs, it does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Did you like a husky voice there? Isn't she amazing? Give her a round of applause. Thank you, Olivia. Isn't she brilliant? So if you're wanting to know what love is, If you're wanting to know the characteristic of God, because God is love, this is fantastic, isn't it? Corinthians just spells it out. It's probably the best definition we came across. And if you've ever been at a wedding, you've probably heard it speak out there. And uh, and I love this because it just shows God's gentleness, his patience. It shows us these characteristics and values that he's trustworthy, that he protects us, that we have hope through him. Isn't that brilliant? And uh, I was in one school and this teacher came up to me after. She goes, do you know what, Emma? I'm not a Christian, but I've heard of this before. And so I sat down because I was in a difficult relationship with, with my other half. And I just wanted to know if it was a healthy relationship. So I went through this to see if I could tick anything off to see whether it was right. And she couldn't. And it helped her to come out of a difficult situation, a relationship that wasn't helping her to be the best version of her. And so the Bible works. Whether you know God or not, <laughs> it does work. So I thought I'd share something personal. Forgive me if you've heard this before. But there's an element to it that I've not shared before in a conference which ties into this subject matter. You see, you know I come from Essex. I've got a dad, I've got an older sister, I've got a mum. One thing that was missing in growing up was that my dad never told me he loved me. 
Oh, so you were nervous then. Do I say, oh, <laughs> do I laugh? I can laugh about it now because actually me and my dad have a great relationship. But as a young girl, I wanted to know that I was loved by my dad. I wanted him to say those three words. I wanted that affirmation. I wanted him to be proud of me. I wanted him to want to hang out with me. Saturday comes, should we go bowling? Mackie D's, Golden Arches. And none of that ever happened. The only time he really talked to me was when it was a backhander because I'd been out of line. He's got big leather hands. It really hurt. Anyway, uh, so I thought that that hurts. That's a bit hurtful. But, you know, I'm only young. Maybe maybe he'll change. As we got older, we were out one day and uh, he said to my sister in front of me, Sarah, you're my favorite daughter. That's harsh, isn't it? <laughs> no dad should say that. And I thought, okay, I get the hint now. You don't love me, Dad. Okay. But I was desperate to know what it was to be loved by a man. I, that was just me as a little girl. I wanted my dad to call me his little princess, and it never happened. So as a typical Essex girl, I thought, I saw it, I'll sort it out. I'll get myself a boyfriend. He'll fall in love with me. He'll tell me those three little words. We'd get married, get a goldfish and a guinea pig, and we live happily ever after. That was my plan. But the problem is, in Essex, most boys, whether it happens in Manchester as well, uh, they didn't know what love was. This love that we know we need in order to have a balanced lifestyle that psychologists tell us we need. They didn't know what it was. Or occasionally they would say they loved you, not because they loved you, but because they wanted something out of the relationship. And it was more than a cheeky kiss behind the bike sheds. And my problem was, I'd been brought up going to church and I was told, sex is for marriage. Full stop. There's no debate. That's it. You just wait till you get married. And I kind of thought, okay, that sounds nice. I'll go along with that. But there was no discussion. And so every time I went out with a guy and we got so far in the relationship, they wanted to push it the whole way. And I'd be like, oh, sorry, I can't do that because I'm a Christian. I'm waiting till I get married. Do you think they hung around? They were out that door in their sneakers because all the other six girls were quite happy to go along with the flow. So why would they wait for me? And you can imagine little old me desperately seeking love, acceptance and value. Yet I'm getting rejected, rejected, rejected. And it got to a stage where I started questioning my faith. Well, why does it say this? Is, is God just a killjoy? Does he not want me to have fun? Surely the Bible's got too much dust on it. He doesn't really understand what the pressures are today from back then. But the bottom line was I didn't want to get rejected anymore. And so when I start dating this guy called Neil and it's going really well and he was a comedian, so he made me laugh. We like that, don't we? It's people who make us laugh. And uh, I was like, I don't want to be rejected anymore. So I made a decision, not because I wanted to have sex, but I just didn't want to get rejected. So we started sleeping with each other. It was okay. It wasn't anything amazing, probably because I didn't want to actually do it and I was just going along with the flow. And then I'm working at Coots and he rings me up one day and he says, oh, Emma, don't bother coming round tonight. I went, oh, are you busy? No, 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 I, I just don't want you to come round. And then I'm like, oh, okay, well, shall I come tomorrow? No, don't come tomorrow. Well, when do you want me to come round? Uh, yeah, n yeah, no, not again. Yeah, no, I, I don't want to actually go out with you anymore. I'm like, you're dumping me on the phone? Are you serious? I'm at work? Is this like a joke? No, it's not a joke. And I'm like, why don't you want to go out with me anymore? And he said, I'll be honest with you, Emma. Fat women don't do anything for me. And this is a little girl who's just desperate for love, acceptance and value. This is a little girl who gave up everything, her time, her money, her energy, her virginity, to a guy who just threw it back in her face. 
and to top it all called her fat. So then she had a self-esteem issue. And I had a choice at that moment. Was I going to brush it off and be this strong Essex go and just move on? Or was I going to change the way I looked out of desperation just to have him take me back again? And sadly, I took the latter. See, I hit the gym, I was running track, pumping iron, doing every class you can think of, two hours every single day, thinking, if I can change my body, maybe he'll have me back. I don't know if you've ever been down the gym, it's flipping hard work. (laughs) And your body just doesn't change overnight. So I thought, I've got to come up with another plan. Oh, that's easy, I'll just skip a few meals. Then I won't eat the calories, and then I'll shed some pounds alongside still going to the gym. Another problem, I really like my food. Do you like your food? Flipping love my food. I have McDonald's on the way here, so don't get too close. I've had a burger and onions, so I do stink a bit. But um, I thought, this isn't working either. So then I came up with another plan, and I thought, this is epic. I'm going to eat all the food I love, all the burgers, all the cans of Coke with all the sugar in, all the sweets. I love Pick-A-Mix. you like Pick-A-Mix? <gasps> Oh my gosh, I bought myself a huge bag last. I had more than the kids yesterday. It's Friday sweet one. Anyway, so I <laughs> distracted myself. Anyway, I thought if I eat all that food, but then make myself sick straight afterwards, then I won't put the calories on. I thought this is amazing. I'm in control. I know what I'm doing. This is easy. But two years down the road, you can imagine I'm in a very dark place. I've got an eating disorder called bulimia. I'm making myself sick up to five times a day. And I remember sitting on my bed because I used to be the party animal. Everyone was like, Emma's coming out, invite her everywhere. She's always fun. No one wanted to hang out with me anymore because it affects your whole mental ability to live a normal life. It is a mental health issue. I remember a friend saying to me, it's a mental health issue. It's like, shut up. No, it's not. <laughs> but looking back, it really is. It consumes you. And I remember sitting down and thinking, man, what have I done? And I'd grown up going to church and I used to love going to church. I used to love walking and talking with God, but I didn't want to talk to God anymore or go to church because I felt like I'd really let him down. I used to be best friends with my mum. We didn't have secrets. and Now I've been lying to her for two years and that relationship was breaking down. My sister had disowned me because I'd changed so much as a person. And I just sat on my bed in this dark gloom and I just said, God, what's happening And I just broke down. I just said, God, I'm so sorry. Will you forgive me for wrecking this amazing body you've given me? And can you help me? I don't know how to get out of this eating disorder. But I choose you. I choose to put you back in the driving seat. I choose to go and live my life how you want me to live. But please help me with this eating disorder because I can't do it on my own. And I just cried out with that prayer. I don't think there's a a sort of particular remedy or something that you have to do ritual in order for God to hear you. I think he hears all our prayers. But that next morning was a different morning. It was the first day in two years I didn't make myself sick. Day after that, I didn't make myself sick. The week after, month after, to this day, I've never made myself sick. You can ask any doctor or nurse, can you just wake up from a disorder and just be healed? No, but you can with God. don't know if you believe in miracles, but I certainly do. And uh, I really hope you guys are all Christians, you believe in miracles. And if you aren't, have a cheeky chat with me afterwards because we need to sort that out. Um, But the reason I tell you that story is because that's when my passion for Respect Me was birthed. 
Because I know what choices can do to your self-esteem, how it can change your direction in life, how it can prevent you from reaching your full potential of being the best version of you that you can be. And so I get so passionate when I'm talking to young people when it comes about sex. And we don't talk about the biology. They get that at school. We talk about relationships. We talk about self-esteem. We talk about value, liking, loving, valuing yourself. Because if you can't do that, how are you going to do that in a relationship with somebody else? And uh, we always give our young people this card, which you can all take one home with you today. It's called the I Am card. And it's got a bunch of scriptures on it. And the reason why is because when God performed that miracle in my life, I was inquisitive. I was like, well, I'd had this label of fat, this identity that was wrong over my forehead for two years. What does God think about me? And there's over 7,000 promises in the Bible. And there's things like, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are loved. You are precious. You are accepted. You are bought at a price. You are chosen. You are adopted. And I'm like, flipping heck, why didn't I understand this before? How many of us as Christians growing up reading the Bible don't actually twig that that's for us? We think it's for everybody else, but we don't claim it for ourselves. But the most famous verse in the Bible, John 3.16, is for God so loved the world, yeah? Are we all part of the world? So every single one of us in this room right now need to walk out of here having that new garment on of I am loved, I am chosen. And I really think that changes everything. And then I thought, well, who is this God who thinks so highly of me, who makes me feel so precious? And I knew that he was the creative God who made the world. But then I learned more about him being the king of kings. That if I am adopted by him, that means I'm his personal child, co-heirs in Christ. And then the light bulb moment came on. If I'm a daughter of the king, that makes me a yes. And that's what I wanted to be called when I was a young girl by my dad. He still never called me that. But I know he believes it, really. Actually, I don't normally share this, but it took 32 years, a bottle of red wine and much persuasion. He finally told me he loved me. He's only done it once. I made him tell my, my sister straight away. He's like, what, what do I have to? And my poor mum, bless her, I thought she'd be really happy she was watching this and she looked really sad. I'm like, mum, why are you so sad? This is amazing. He's told his daughters for the first time ever that he loves them. She's, I'm really happy for you, but he's never told me. I broke my heart. But you know what? I love my dad and he shows love in a different way. And there's a reason for that. You know, his mum died when he was really young, born post-war, brought up by his dad, his sister taken away. There was no room for the niceties of uh, sharing that love in that sort of way. But I know he loves me dearly. Your value doesn't decrease based on someone's inability sorry, to see your worth. In life, haters are going to hate, aren't they? It's always going to be someone who lets you down. I really hope all of you have got great family, great friendship groups who tell you how amazing you are and build you up and encourage you to be the best that you can be. But the reality is sometimes it's peop the people who are closest to us who let us down. And that's when we need to believe them the truth of the Bible, that actually God loves us. It doesn't matter what anyone else says. God is for you, not against you. So why are we doing this seminar? Let's talk about sex. Because our young people are being influenced by a world 
that has different values to us. And uh, so we need to know our stance from a Christian point of view. Uh, and so when we go into schools, we actually do sex and relationships from a Christian point of view. We get away with it. We're not meant to with PSHE. You're not meant to have any bias. But because we're up front, they kind of let us get away with it. I'm a bit cheeky. I get what I want. Uh, so I just thought I'd test you. <laughs> what does a Christian believe about sex? That it's good? So nice to hear that. Oh, my gosh. I've never heard that in school by any pupil. Um, I'm being honest. What else? What's the big thing? Sex is for marriage. Okay, so the Bible teaches sex is for marriage, for a committed relationship. Actually, most faiths teach the same thing, except for it's the Christians that stick out with like a sore thumb. So if Christians are taught through the Bible, wait till you get married, what does the world teach us to do? Does the world say wait till you get married? Do what you want. Sorry? Have loads of sex. Have lo loads of sex, whoever, whenever. Basically, uh, no limits. One kid gave me that answer and I was like, that just says it all. There are no limits. Occasionally a kid might say, well, once you're 16, I'm so glad you know the legal age of consent. That's very kind, even though you've totally ignored it. It is out there. So, does that mean God's a killjoy? Because I know as a teenager through my story that I just shared with you, I struggled with that. Because no one explained to me why I should wait. No one explained to me it's because, Emma, you're valuable. You're precious. Sex is valuable. Sex is precious. That is why, so that you can get the best out of it. We, I was just told, don't have it. And then suddenly it becomes a rule, a regulation. And what, as the kids, we always want to break the rules, don't we? And uh, so we always ask the kids at school, do you think God's a killjoy? Won't take offence at all. Put your hand up. Do you think the Bible's out of fashion? There's too much dust on it. It's not relevant. You know, half the kids will put their hands up. They're a bit hesitant at first and they put their hands up. And I'm like, I'm so not surprised. I'm so not surprised because we live in this over-sexualized world as we started this seminar off with. Where our young people are watching programs like Love Island. And this is just one scenario where you've got Chris and Olivia who are a partner. They're a unit, boyfriend and girlfriend. And yet on the program, they have a conversation where Olivia was asked, would she have sex with another guy, Mike? She was like, yeah, of course I will. What's your problem? There is no correlation between sex and love. That's where it is, isn't it? We don't understand the difference. We don't actually know what the definition of sex is is we live in a lustful world. So we have to define sex. If you're going to be talking with young people, whether it's your children your, themselves, whether it's uh, in your youth group, whoever that might be, it might even be an adult who's not married yet and you just want to have that conversation, maybe a new Christian, we need to be able to define it. And as a team, this is what we came out with. We thought sex should be an intimate display of love between two people who are in a committed relationship where they feel safe, where there's trust, value and respect. Respect. Who would agree that that's a good starting point for sex, yeah? We've got a few nods there, that's brilliant. It should be in a place where we feel valued. We should feel safe. These are important things, aren't they? And that often comes from being in a committed relationship where you know that person, where you know everything about them, you know their intentions, where on a one-night stand, you don't know them. 
It might be really romantic and you're living out a chick flick you've seen. Boy meets girl, have a nice romantic dinner and they end up in bed and it all seems great until the next morning they're not there and you've been dumped. And we need to be in that committed relationship where we can feel trusted, feel safe. And obviously the Bible goes one step further to say that committed relationship is marriage. So where do we know about sex in the Bible. Let's start at the beginning. Let's start at the very beginning. Genesis, first book of the Bible. There is a God, dun, 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 and he creates. He makes everything, the birds, the bees, the apples, the trees, everything. He makes Adam and Eve. He makes human beings in his image. How wicked is that? But we also learn from that creation story that God is a compassionate God. God has a character. He loves people. He wants to be in relationship. What's the million dollar question? What are we here for? To be in a relationship with God. We know that from this creation story, don't we? And so he hangs out with Adam and Eve. They name the animals together. They walk through the garden, have cheeky chats. And then one day he says to Adam and Eve, go and be fruitful, which means go down Asda. Apples and pears, fruit salad. You're right, babies, let's make babies. Why? Because the world is so big, let's populate the world. Let's have other children. So we've got to make loads of babies. In order to make loads of babies, we have to have loads of? That was pathetic, honestly. Right, I'm going to count to three really quickly and you're going to shout sex really loud. One, two, three. Oh, it was better. What do you reckon, Lydia? Yeah, they're so much like, they love it. It's It's a great icebreaker. But on the seventh day, or, the, or after the sixth day, because he rested, he had a chill out on the seventh day. We need to learn to do that. I need to learn to do that. He looked at what he made. And every day he said it is good. But on the last day he said it is very good. That's pretty cool. So if our kids, our young people are thinking God's not relevant, sex is seen as dirty in the eyes of Christians, it's not good, it's bad, all those sort of things that so, a lot of young people do think. We're able to go in and say, actually, there's good news here. We believe God created sex. It's a gift. It's a present. It's something that we can use to show someone intimately how we feel about them in a way maybe words cannot express. As long as it is done at the right time with the right person. We are told that God tells us to go and have sex. And that sex is good. Now, at that point, school kids get really excited. So we say, I know what you're thinking. Don't get that mobile phone out at the end of the lesson. Text that hottie you've been checking out and say, how about you and me under the bushes? Because Emma said we can have sex because it's good. We're not doing that. And we're not, we're not advocating underage sex or one night stands or anything like that. But what we're saying in our lessons is, let's get to the bottom of it straight away. Sex is a good thing. It is a good thing. And unfortunately, anything that's good in this world can be abused And love becomes lust. And then all the problems that come out of that. Alive to the World have this great statement. This is something if you're ever talking to someone about sex, it really helps us to understand our makeup. We are sexual beings in our biology, our psychology and in our spirituality and in how we relate to others socially. Now most of us can get together with the fact that we're sexual beings in our biology. We get that, we understand that. We go through puberty, did you enjoy that? Did you? Anyone not gone through it yet? (laughs) I know, (laughs) the boys at the back are like, (laughs) you're going to have fun if you haven't yet, but anyway. Uh, 
puberty, we understand that our bodies change. You know, we get lumps and bumps in different places. Hairs where we didn't know they grew and we're like, ah, this is nasty. And then the hormones rush through and like, what the heck is going on? But then some fitty walks in and we're like, shawing, come sit next to me, baby. And we're kind of like, you know, tongue tied, sweaty hands. And we go through all these experiences and we want to experiment. So we understand that, don't we? We understand that if a guy and a girl get intimate and actually have sex, there are chances that a baby will be born nine months later. It doesn't just happen in the movies, it happens in the real world. And so we get that, but what we forget is that we're sexual beings in our psychology, in our emotions. And we connect with people in an intimate way that you don't when you're not having sexual intercourse. We also forget that we're sexual beings in our spirituality. Most faiths will believe that we are spiritual beings. Why? Because we're made in God's image. God is a spirit. It's a way we communicate with each other. So actually, when you decide to go the whole way with someone, there's a physical bonding, there's an emotional bonding, and there's a spiritual bonding as well. So no wonder when you break up or you get dumped from a relationship where you've gone the whole way and you think you're going to marry and live happily ever after, your whole world comes crashing down because there's that tearing of all three. And I would actually say, and I've heard people say, if you are a Christian and maybe you can be Christian later on, or maybe you made mistakes or you've changed your choices of how you view sexual activity. If you are in a place like I was where actually I had had sex with someone that wasn't my husband and later on got married. And if that's an issue, maybe you need prayer for that. To have that spiritual bonding cut off I don't want to over spiritualize this but I'm just saying if there's someone here who's like struggling maybe that's something that you need to do learning how to respect sexuality is important to becoming a balanced individual one who's able to freely uh, form lasting friendships which prepare for marriage and bringing up families of the future believe it or not our young people in school pretty much all of them I'd say 95% of them want to get married isn't that awesome you know, they want that companion. They want that uh, person who can witness their life, someone to be emotionally connected to forever. I don't think anyone goes into marriage hoping to be that 50% that ends up in divorce. We believe in marriage as a nation. I really do believe that. And yet this is so important. And what this does is practically it says, let's start looking at our friendships first. It's very practical. Can you work out your friendship? Can you resolve conflict in a friendship? Because it's amazing at school, you have BFFs since reception class, they get into high school, someone looks at someone's boyfriend in a certain way, it's like, talk to the hand. Someone snogs your boyfriend or someone says something nasty and then you break up and you are arc enemies forever. How do we resolve conflict? We need to be brave. We need to be able to say sorry when we mess up. We need to be able to forgive even if that person has not said sorry. If we think the relationship is more important than the deed that caused that argument. And if we can start resolving conflict in a friendship, that will give us a great foundation for moving into a romantic relationship later on. Then if you've read those books, Mars and Venus, women and men are quite different. I do believe we are different. So let's get those foundations in. So that actually when we do get into that permanent relationship, we're armed, we're, we're prepared so that we can be the best that we can be, the best husband and wife. We can honour and love that person and work through things for ourselves, but also for the children. Because I don't know about you, I mean, Rachel on our team, her 
dad uh, and mum split up when she was very young and that really affected her. And she understands what it is to be a child in a broken marriage. And I don't think anyone dreams of that. But if we want to stop that, let's work at our relationships. Okay, this is, you might recognise this girl. This is Emily from In Your Face, but she is an actress sharing a true story. Check it out. <coughs> so I was bullied the whole way through primary school and high school. And that was pretty much because I looked like your standard social reject. I had like really short hair, really goggly glasses. Basically, I looked like a proper geek. And because of that, boys didn't fancy me. So, you know, when people would go out on a Friday night and everybody would be kissing, I'd be sat by myself on a park bench by myself because nobody would be kissing me. So when I got to college, I decided to reinvent myself. So, got my hair done, lost loads of weight. I was looking pretty fit, even if I do say so myself. And I managed to get the attention of the best looking dude in my class. And ironically, he was called Guy. And I found that so funny. I was like, oh, hi, Guy, Guy. You're quite a guy, Guy. And he'd be like, no. I was thinking, oh, finally, you know, a boy that's going to tell me I'm dead pretty and, and make me feel amazing. So we started dating on and off for about two years. Now, I was brought up as a Christian and going to church and believing in the no sex before marriage thing. But basically, I decided that the Bible was totally outdated. I mean, God needed to get with the times. And what did he know anyway? So I decided that when I was in love with somebody, then I could have sex with them. So I decided that I was in love with Guy and in my stupid little girl world, that Guy was in love with me. So Guy, right, he had the best house parties. I mean, literally the best house parties and he was having one. So I decided that tonight was the night. So I turn up and knock on his door, I grab him by the hand, I take him up the stairs, I sit him down on the bed and I'm like, Guy, I love you. And he's like, I love you too. And then we have sex and it's great and there's fireworks and I'm like, well impressed with myself. So we finish up and I decide to go downstairs back to the party. So, you know, I'm having a bit of a boogie and about five, 10 minutes later, I'm thinking, yeah, I could have a cheeky little snog right now. So I start looking around and I think, well, where's Guy? And I keep looking around the party and I'm like, where's my mate? So, you know, I go on a little adventure up the stairs to find him. And I get upstairs and all the lights are on in every room apart from Guy's. So I walk into his room only to be greeted with him having sex with my mate just five, ten minutes after he'd had sex with me and told me that he loved me. And I was absolutely gutted. I was devastated. And it turns out that the whole time that he was with me, he was actually sexting and sleeping with other girls. And I'd not been clever. I'd not used contraception. So I, was, I found myself in a clinic getting tested for STIs and lying to my mum, which I don't lie to my mum. I hate lying. <sighs> Luckily uh, for me, I didn't have anything. However, 
A while later, I met up with my friend who still knows Guy, and um, Guy has now got something called genital herpes. Now, if you know anything about STIs, that you'll know that if you have genital herpes, there's no getting rid of it. You've got it for life. And unfortunately, that was the consequence of Guy's actions. And he thought he was really clever, you know, sleeping with as many girls as he possibly could, because that's what the world tells you to do, right? So that's what he did. And unfortunately, he passed it on to his girlfriend, and she too has genital herpes. Now, if she gets pregnant, that could cause some major problems for the baby, because if the infection flared up at that time, it could get caught in the baby's throat. Now, I wouldn't wish that upon anybody. I wouldn't wish it on Guy. But unfortunately, that was the consequence of his actions. Now, I would love to tell you that I was really clever from there on in and I didn't have sex with anyone, but then I'd be lying because I wanted to feel accepted. I wanted to feel valued. I wanted to feel like I was beautiful. And the only way I thought I was going to feel that was by sleeping with boys. And I actually think that they caught up on the fact that if they told me that they loved me, that I'd sleep with them. So they were sleeping with me and then they were leaving me. And I was starting to feel more and more hurt as a person. And I actually started to feel quite vulnerable. And I thought, you know what? I really need to do something about this. And I kind of saw myself like a chocolate box. And it felt like every time I had sex with a boy, I was giving them a chocolate from a chocolate box. Now my chocolate box was starting to feel pretty empty. And I don't know about you, but I really want to get married someday. Like I really want to get married. And for me, I believe that my husband deserves the absolute best from me. And I don't want to give him just a half eaten chocolate box. I mean, I'm sure he'd take it, but I want to give him a full box. So when I became a Christian, I decided to believe it, not because of what my parents believed or what they thought or what anyone else thought. And it says in the Bible that the old has gone and you are a new creation. And God has given me, you know, a whole new fresh chocolate box to start again with. And you know what? I'm gonna keep a hold of my chocolate box for dear life. You know, no one is touching my chocolates. And I've decided not to have sex until I'm married. There's not as much drama and heartache in my life since I made that decision to not sleep with anyone. And the reason I'm telling you this story is that maybe you might not make the same mistakes that I did. Wow, crazy story, hey? But it's the norm. It's what our young people have. That's their story today. Girls desperate for love, doing anything to not be rejected. And yet this is a Christian girl who was brought up by Christian parents, going to church, coming to festivals, conferences like this. And my challenge when I see those sort of things is, what am I doing to stop that when I'm running our youth group on a Sunday morning or my kids? Now, my kids can't get away with it because they have to sit through all my sessions. Um, but are we talking to our young people about sex? Are we telling them the consequences of it? Are we actually looking at STIs, knowing that chlamydia is on the rise? We had an, an antibiotic and it was almost non-existent and yet the body is rejecting that antibiotic. It's on the rise. Syphilis can kill you. And you tell a kid that in school and they're like, what the flip? 
or that they might get an STI that will make them infertile, which means they will never have children. Are we articulating this with passion and concern because our kids are so valuable to us? Or are we too embarrassed because it's a little bit awkward? I don't know who you want to educate your children or your youth group or whatever context you have children in. I don't know who you want them who who you want to educate them on sex, but I would say it's better to come from you than the world that we live in. Um, we always signpost kids at school because we always share our personal stories. We talk about God and his value for us. But we legally have to, in school, signpost them to the agencies. There's lots of agencies out there. ClickSeop is the Child Exp Online Exploitation, um, sorry, Child Exploitation Online Protection site. And there's lots of different things we can direct people to. But why not say pray about it? Why not say talk to a Christian? Why not say go to church? Have those conversations? Because I really do believe God can help us, whatever our situation is. Now, time is ticking, so we're not going to go through this practically, but we always ask the kids, well, why do girls have sex? Go on, I'll ask just a couple of you. Why do you think a girl would want to have sex anyway? Any Sorry? To please their boyfriend, yeah. To get affirmation maybe, to get respected, to keep the relationship. They don't get rejected. As long as he's happy, then the relationship's going to hang out. Any other reason why a girl might have sex? Sorry? To be part of the crowd, just to fit in. Yeah, because everyone thinks everybody else is doing it. Uh, in one school, there was, a, there was a, a group there and they do a project called Are You Different? And they work across the nation and they ask all the kids in year nine and year 10, how many people do you think are having sex in your year group? And everyone responds anonymously, oh, I reckon at least 90% are already doing it. And then they ask them specifically as their, them as an individual, are you actually sexually active? And across the nation, it's the same, only 10%. They're not actually all doing it. It's all mouth, no trousers. They reckon a third of what comes out of a bloke is <laughs> all mouth, no trousers. Sounds very disrespectful. I'm sure it comes out of the women like that as well. But um, those who brag about it probably aren't actually doing it. But the relief on the faces of kids, particularly girls, wow. So, you, so I don't have to? I don't have to fit in? Well, no, because not everybody's doing it. And I think a lot of the time with girls, we get it the wrong way around. Girls think, if I give sex, then I get love. And we're trying to educate girls. No, you form a relationship first. You learn to trust them. And then if it's working, then you might show that love. If you're of the right age and it's the right time and it's your choice. And then it's an expression of love. And yet they keep doing it the wrong way around. It's crazy, isn't it? Is it different for guys? Why do guys have sex? Experience? Love it. Talk about it all the time. It's everything, so let's experience it. Yeah, any other reason? Yep. To feel like a man, yeah. And we'll always have in every class, the girl, the first answer will always be to brag about it in front of their mates. And that really breaks my heart, actually, because I know that not everybody's doing it. So that means there's a lot of decent kids out there who would rather wait for the right person at the right time, but they feel so pressurized to be a man, to get that trophy, to get that respect, that they go for it anyway. 
And it's it's devastating. So they get that accolade and praise, don't they? Oh, he's the man, he's the legend, he's the sex god, the king dingaling, whatever it is that you want to call him. But what if a girl decides to sort of like put it around because they want respect? Will they get respect? What will they get called? Slag, slut. It's all dis- disrespectful words, isn't it? So what if a girl or a guy decides, well, actually, I'm going to wait. I'm going to value myself because I know I'm loved, I'm accepted. I'm going to wait, so I'm going to be a virgin. What do they get called? Frigid, yeah, Mother Teresa, all these kind of words. So guys, at least they got a chance of being the legend, but girls have a choice of being frigid or a slut. And it's brilliant because we actually asked the girls to make a decision. If you had the choice of being a slut or frigid, who would rather be called frigid? And they actually put their hands up. And I make all the boys give them a round of applause. <laughs> it's great. And, and they're kind of a bit shocked. And I'm like, well, what you've done right now is you've made a choice about your future. You've made a choice to value yourself and stand against flow, stand for something instead of falling for everything. And actually, that's the same for boys and for girls. We all need to know we're valued. And that's why we always like doing these lessons as a group of mixed sex. So it's important that we know our value. And as I said earlier, who is teaching your kids about sex education? Because the statistics are quite shocking that the biggest age group of watchers of porn, particularly guys, are 12 to 17 year olds. And they reckon on average the teen watches 90 minutes of porn a week. Whoa, that's a movie, a football game. So when you hear that phrase, he's got sex on the brain, he literally has got sex in the brain because, you know, that just one image can affect you for a lifetime. You're watching 90 minutes of it. Yes, it's going to desensitize you, but you're going to be obsessed with it. Um, our kids are learning it through magazines, through videos, through social media. Yes, they get sex education through the school from year six. But what they're going to be more noticeable of is the stuff they see online. 94% of teenagers by the age of 14 have seen pornography, whether they've accessed it on purpose or not. And it's not just the guys. One in three women watch porn at least once a week. So it's affecting everybody. And so when we go back to those music videos we were playing earlier on, that's soft porn. And we just think it's okay. So, well, if that's okay, I might as well watch something that's a little bit more raunchy, a little bit more edgy, and then you get addicted to that. Because actually they say the addiction of porn is that pleasure chemical of dopamine that wants you to have more and more and you're feeding that habit. But actually that dopamine is the same for gambling, running and even getting followers and likes on social media. We're addicted to so much stuff, aren't we? Sex should be a choice, never a pressure from the media, your friendship group or your partner. So back in 2004, I'm just going to finish up with a few statistics. 2004, the UK was the most promiscuous country in the world. In other words, we were having more sex than any other country in the world. We're quite a small country. There's over 200 countries in the world. Some people like the kids were like, hey, check us out. We're having fun. But it's nothing to get excited about. 2012, I haven't got the latest stats yet on this one because I don't know if they do this actual particular survey anymore. But in 2012, we were doing better. We were 11th, we weren't the top, but we were still in the top 5% of of promiscuity. In this survey, they also found out that 59% of Britons thought it was normal for a 30-something, someone in their 30s, to have had more than 10 lovers before getting married. It's okay, everybody else is already doing it. 
We ask the kids who wants to get married one day and they all stick their hands up and then I say, if you had the choice of marrying someone who was a virgin or someone who represents someone who's had 10 lovers before, who would actually put up their hand and say, I'd like to marry the virgin? Pretty much every single one of them will put it up. And I'm like, well, if that's the ideal, if that's what you really want, then maybe we should make different choices in our relationships. We all want the same goal. Uh, UK still has one of the highest teenage birth rates. Back in 2017, that was 20,000 unintended pregnancies. We are actually getting much better at this, uh, probably because the doctors keep giving out the pill and the condom and things like that. But 50% of them will be aborted. 10,000 babies' lives just gone. Um, so when we started off asking, is God a killjoy? He doesn't want us to have fun. Actually, maybe we're talking or looking at that question through the wrong lens. Maybe you don't realize that actually God loves us so much with such a passion as a dad and we're his children that he doesn't want us to be one of those statistics. He doesn't want us to have that conversation with our parents. Mom, dad, I've got my girlfriend pregnant or I'm pregnant. Or I've got an STI and I just don't know what to do about it. You know, God loves us with a passion, like all rules and regulations. Just look at a football field. You know, he does it because he wants the best for you. Your relationship with yourself sets the tone for every other relationship you have. So what we need to do is rewind. When we're looking at the whole subject of sex, let's start with self-esteem. Let's start with value. How can we get our young people to learn to look in the mirror and actually see someone that they like, that they value, that they can learn to love, that they can learn to respect so that when they're in a relationship, they won't take second best. They won't give discounts because they know they're worth everything. So we need to pray for our young people desperately, don't we? We need to be the role models. We need to be the ones who are confident, say, you know what, my door's open. Do you want to chat about this stuff? Without judging, letting them express their emotions, their feelings. We need to be the people that educate our kids before the world does. And when they do mess up, to not condemn, to love and say, you've always got a second chance. We know God is a God of forgiveness. And we need to make sure we're not judging our young people. Because there's plenty of people, like the true story we saw earlier on, she'd gone and had sex with lots of different people, but then she changed her mind because she understood her value in God's eyes. Let's be forgiving. Let's be supportive. And I think that's it because we had a short time. A uh, little couple of practical things. If you want to take this outside of this room, have a chat with me. Why don't you book a Respect Me team for your local school, your youth group? Um, beloved uh, Gemma Chuson, really good friend of mine, she's uh, written this beautiful self-esteem course for young girls and there's a beautiful booklet, that journal that goes that you can go through your youth cl club with. Uh, the Coco Story, my friend Meg Cannon, uh, she used to be in TBC which was an innovation band with a band with no name. She now heads up uh, the Coco Story which is part of the Girls Brigade and uh, she goes into school and talks about the hardest of hardest subjects like bereavement, uh, relationships, sex, all this sort of stuff. And she speaks to the kids, gets their feedback, and then she writes beautiful spoken word, powerful poetry, and actually makes a mini film, and it's all on her site. So if you've got kids that are struggling in areas, mental health. And uh, there's also... Um, 
we won't do that. We haven't got time for that. The Lily Joe Project, pop star, used to sing for LZ7. She's got an online mental health uh, website, the Lily Joe Project, and that is just brilliant. Uh, it's re- really self-help stuff with practical things that you can draw and write out and work through with another person. Um, and yeah, that's it. So a lot of information. We've still got 10 minutes for Q&As. If you need to dash off, don't worry, we won't let anyone trip you up on the way out. Um, but I'm here at your disposal if you've got any questions. We've kind of touched the surface of a huge subject and uh, maybe some of you got questions, so I'll throw it out to you. Don't worry if you haven't. Yeah, Olivia. With a youth group, would you um, separate boys and girls or keep them together or you can do both I know a lot of people love to separate so they feel like they can be free I think with girls you're going to be talking so much more about self-esteem and broken hearts and all this sort of stuff and guys are a bit tougher and they may need it in a different way personally I always want them in together because I think they learn from each other like when you do that question well why do girls have sex and then the guys will understand where they're coming from. And when the girls hear that, the boys are like, yeah, it's all about being a lad. It's all about lad points. And they'll be like, oh, right, okay, I get it. Yeah, you ain't coming near me now. And I think it's really important that they learn from each other. I've been in one school and we said, uh, why, why do girls have sex? And this boy just shouted out, because all girls are slags. He got pulled out very quickly. <laughs> but he was being honest. And there are guys out there that literally just feel that way because there are girls that go and throw it around. But why do they throw it around? Because deep down inside, they're so desperate for love. And they just hope that one day, someone will actually say, I love you. And I know a girl with a true story about that, and and it breaks your heart. She was a Christian growing up, desperately wanted to fit in. All her mates were talking about sex. So she just went out on a one-night stand just to fit in with her mates, came in Monday morning, I've had sex, do you want to hear all about it? And her mates are like, how do we tell you we were kind of messing with you? We're all virgins. She lost her virginity to be accepted by her mates. What's that all about? And then she got a reputation and then she slept with everybody because she was hoping just one person would say, I love you. And she ended up walking down the aisle seven months pregnant. Not the dream wedding she had as a little girl. So in answer to your question, you do what you feel is right. You know your kids, you know your audience. That's the best place to make that decision. But I think it's good that girls and guys learn together. Uh, because we all come from the same place. We all need to know our love and value. And that's where you've got to keep coming back. Self-esteem, value, respect. That's what we've got to keep coming back to. Thanks, Olivia. Yeah. Do you find that you are fighting the normal school sex education system? Because my year eight came home the other week, having learnt putting a condom on a, on a dildo. And, and we're very open in our family, and we've been talking about dildos and condoms and LGBTQI question mark. And I, I, I do have to be very careful about how I um, speak to them because I need them to know how we feel as a family, but also how the world feels about putting a condom on a dildo. You know, it's very, in a year eight, I thought it was just very young. Super young, isn't it? And uh, it's amazing what, I remember as a parent in year six being shown the video that the government had pulled together for the year sixes and we were shown it as parents and I'm like, there's no 
way my child is seeing that. Fortunately, the school said, yeah, we don't, we disagree as well, so we're not going to be showing it. Every school is different. Every school feels like they have to tick every box that they're giving all the information out and they will feel like, well, if we teach them how to put a condom on and be safe, then maybe we're preventing unwanted pregnancies and, you know, they'll be giving out free condoms. And that's why it's so important that Respect Me's in. You know, we can't necessarily stop what we disagree with uh, or we feel uncomfortable that's too young. But what we can do is go in and show love and get kids to love themselves, know their self-esteem and make good choices. And so we're constantly, Lydia will agree, we're going in on days where they shut the whole system down, all the timetables off, and you'll have LGBT there, you'll have school nurses, respect me, maybe the police. And we'll be saying something from a different perspective. And it's so important that we've got Christians in school shining the light, saying, do you know what? Yeah, we can teach you some cool stuff, but actually it comes down to who are you? And, and it's interesting because schools put such an emphasis on who, what, what's your profession? What exams are you going to take? What university are you going to do? What's your big career? And we're going in saying, yeah, it's really important to know about your career and choices like that. However, it's more important that you choose what type of person you want to be. What's your character going to be like? Do you, do you accept yourself for who you are? And we do this little thing called a self-esteem shield. We get kids to actually look down, what have I already achieved? What is my ambition in life? What are my qualities? What are my giftings? What kind of person am I? And so that actually that can protect them when they're being judged and, oh, well, everyone else is doing it. Why aren't you? To say, well, do you know what? I don't need to fit in because this is the type of person that I am. And it's just, we just got to keep bringing it back to that godliness of self-esteem and, and knowing that, you know, from a Christian perspective, we can go and say, I get my self-esteem from knowing who I am from the Bible. And these kids take it home. They really do. They take these um, cards home. And like years later, I had this girl queue up for like 20 minutes at the end of a lesson. And normally it's like I'm cutting myself or I'm making myself sick. All these issues, self-guard, safeguarding stuff. And she just said, uh, I just want to say thank you. You've been coming to my school for five years. I've gone through your whole project and it's really helped me. Thank you. Made me cry. Because we might not be like a band. We can't put on a, a concert at the end of the week and say, everyone become Christians. But hopefully we can give God-given life skills that will help them to make really good choices. And you find out that they're sticking them on their mirrors, they've got them in their bags, they keep them throughout life. And it's just beautiful. And we've just got to play our part. Just talk to the kids. Okay, you did that today, that practical thing. Why do you think you've done that? Do you need that for now? Possibly not, but you do know for the future because we don't know what's going to happen with our kids, with Christian kids, because they may decide they're at a party, they've had too much to drink, they're in a difficult situation. It's not something you want to think about. <laughs> it certainly opens up the conversation. Yeah, use it as an icebreaker. <laughs> Um, well, we were basically sat around and yeah. my daughter said, Mum, what's the difference between a dildo and a strap-on? And I'm going, I can't believe I'm having this conversation with a 14-year-old. Yeah. And it was, it was great because I was able to open up and we are very open in our family. But then at the end of it, my, you know, my daughter said, oh, it's good that we're Christian then, isn't it? You know? And it was, it was, it was lovely yeah. because they are very, you know. Brilliant brilliant well if you break it down when kids are at home in infant school junior school who are their primary role models parents when they're young it's their parents isn't it 
when they get to high school, who is it? It's their peers. Teachers are influential, but it's their peers that are going to change their decisions in life. It's amazing how a child totally changes from year six to year seven. Whoa, it's ridiculous the way they portray themselves physically, online, choices in relationships. And we just need to be open. And uh, you know your kids and what's, how far you can go and what sort of terminology. We need to be the person who speaks to our child rather than them getting it from online, pornography, music videos, their mates. Because when you're growing up, you just want respect. You want to be crazy, say something, oh, I've done this, even though you haven't done it, just because it gives you some, you know, some cred or something. But any other questions? For oh, yeah, go for it. Just get the mic. It's not, it's not a question as such, more of an observation. Yeah. Uh, I, I've got a friend, uh, he's got a 13-year-old daughter. Yeah. Paedophiles attempted to groom her through a smartphone and apps on her yeah. smartphone. And I thought, I've got an 11-year-old daughter and a son as well. Yeah. It's not just daughters, it's sons as well. And, I, and I'm, I'm an engineer, I'm quite tech savvy. And I realised mm-hmm. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I've not got control of this smartphone. Yeah. And I thought, I, I really need to get a grip of it. Yeah. And when I looked at their phones, I realised just how open they are to abuse by paedophiles. Totally. And, 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 you know, what, talking to other people on the subject, you know, they're everywhere. Yeah. You know, I, I've talked, oh, yeah, we've experienced that. We've experienced, you know, people trying to talk dirty to our children. And, and we need, as parents, we need to close the door to these perverts. Yeah. We need to, if we're giving our children smartphones, we need to, uh, we need to get a grip of them. And if we can't get a grip of them, find, find someone who can understand yeah. these smartphones and close the door before, uh, you know, before it's, it's... There's an app. I've recommended it to my friends. Some of you will be really on it and already have it. Um, it's in conjunction with the NSPCC. You can get it on um, the App Store. It's called NetAware. Anybody got that? But it basically, you can type in, say, Snapchat, Insta, Tumblr, whatever it is, and it will give you a review um, with the NSPCC of the pros, the cons, the dangers to young people, and the perceived, perhaps, benefits. You're able, as a parent, to, to give a review of it for other parents to read. And they will, your husband, Tim, was on this, actually, on Snapchat. So, scarily, the one that he brought up for Snapchat, young people said, I would use this, and I think it's safe for people 12 and over. Um, NetAware said we think it's 14 and over and he posted and said 16 and over and so other people can then respond to that and uh, I've advertised it because my niece has started in year seven and I said to her mum she's going to come up with all these apps and she was like great this gives gives me what you were talking about Mm. that tool to be able to get ahead of them and just say actually this could be really dangerous for you because of this reason but actually if we use it in this way with this filter it's okay for you but it's also safe for me so it's just something really good for you guys to be able to look at and it just gives you the info of what your child might be facing yeah thanks Lydia and uh, online safety is so so important in this day and age thing that worries me when we do our lessons is every kid will like oh yeah I've got all my um, protection on there you know I've sorted out only my friends can see me but then you ask them how many friends the other day there was a kid who had over a thousand friends I'm like, are you telling me that you trust every single one of those thousand with your intimate pictures, information? And then suddenly they're like, 
oh yeah maybe not the amount of teachers that have said I'm going to go home and take some of my friends off because of that addiction because of dopamine we're all like oh if I've got more followers it makes me feel better about myself so actually it's having those conversations with our kids yes be savvy if you're not get someone to help you out but also challenging your kids well who are your friends are they really your friends do they need to know all this all these details so we always at the end of online safety number one change your date of birth and number two go through your friends list it might take you a while but it might save you as well and 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 the thing is be aware of it don't be scared we're not to have a spirit of of fear we're meant to have a spirit of power love and sound mind but we have to be wise and take responsibility and if you don't know ask someone and get someone to walk through it. it uh, Snapchat, do you, have you heard of Snap Maps? Where you, you, know, you can follow your friends and it's great fun. Like, oh look, there's my mate in a little car trundling down Jill Bent Road. Oh, my mate's having his hair cut. And you just think it's really good fun. I remember Destiny, uh, my eldest daughter, she danced this morning on the stage. And she said to me, uh, when she came, Mom, oh, this is great, Mum. And I'm like, I'm not happy with this. And then we decided, okay, we're gonna use this for advantage. We're going to have one person that we both trust, an adult, and they're going to know where you are at all times. Not your mum and dad, because that's a bit creepy, and I'm checking up on you. But actually, we're going to choose Rachel, who you totally trust, who she knows will only let me know if it hits the fan. I'm like, you haven't turned up. It's now 3 o'clock in the morning. I can call Rachel and find out where you are. So let's use this technology for our advantage. Let's be wise. Let's be savvy with it as well. I, mm. I, sorry, that was the only one I deleted was Snapchat because mm. I wasn't confident I mm. could get the parental controls over it that I was happy with and I just got rid of it. Yeah, and so much of it out there when it first came out, it's like, oh, it's great, it's only like a second, no one gets to keep it, you forget that people screen save and, you know, Destiny's friend at school, she mm. uh, did a picture of herself uh, naked, thought she sent it to her boyfriend but put it on a story, the whole school found it. Oh, that's embarrassing. But it happens all the time. But it's not accidents now. What's happening is young people are doing it willfully. And we got one school where um, last year, that it was so bad, they banned phones totally from school. You're not even allowed to take them in now because the, fra the craze was, let's have the five best breasts of the year group. And, and that's just degrading anyway because they know who they are. But what was happening is the girls were willfully taking the pictures and handing them in because they wanted to be in the top five. Why? Always comes back to, we want to know that we're loved, accepted and valued. And this is why this whole subject matter, we need to be able to tell our friends, our family, our kids, young people, that you are valuable and make them understand whatever you have to do, make them understand their value. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, you, t you talked about the, the power of music um, in t and, and social media and how that affects young people. I was just wondering whether um, you guys um, work with musicians or, or screenwriters or anything like that to communicate these things. Um, uh, yeah. Definitely. Well, we're all part of the Message Trust and you've seen some of our bands. We've got a whole musical department and music teams that go into school. Uh, Brightline have actually done a song on sex. Um, so there, there's lots of stuff that's accessible. Um, we've worked with uh, Soulbox before. So Ben Davis has done a spoken word for us that we use in, in our lessons. It's a difficult one because I've done that, been a band in school and the power of music is massive. But when you've got just an hour and then 
then it takes 15 minutes to get them in and out of the classroom. You just want to get all that information out. Uh, but yeah, I totally agree. Music, drama, all of that. A lot of the schools that we work in actually bring theatre companies in. And what they do is they do an hour production right at the beginning of the day that everybody sees in the group. And then they get ferried off to all the different contributors. So we know that that's already happening. But the creative arts is massive. It's very important. I'm always up for it. I've got a girl that I've asked commissioned to do us a spoken word uh, hopefully that will come through in the near future but yeah music is powerful are you a muso are you in a band oh we'll have a chat later <laughs> fantastic maybe we can give you a job we're looking we want to put a new band together <laughs> did you have anything else or? no totally need to get music in school i mean that's how the message started with one band the worldwide message tribe because um, there was a guy called jim yost I don't know if you ever heard of him. He's an evangelist, and I heard him speak at Soul Survivor a good number of years ago. And he's a crazy evangelist. He would, like, get in a little uh, put-put plane, fly over the jungle, get chucked out of the plane in the middle of some crazy cannibal scenario to share God's word. And his, his message was that the evangelist needs to be accepted before his word before anything that he's going to say and actually if you can use your creative ability and win the hearts of young people like they're credible they're fantastic i like this music which means you've got to be flipping excellent if you can get that platform then you've got an audience to speak from and, and i know firsthand it's it's powerful so we got to use that wisely yeah thanks for listening don't forget to check out message.org.uk to find out how you can support or even get involved with one of our teams 